The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Tell you what I was so excited to hear Jeff talk about in this podcast was about how not only you could buy property without having to have a sign in the yard, but also how you could buy it without a mortgage. And when I was listening to him talk about the conversations that he was having, the questions that he asked the seller, it just made my brain just start spinning. Like there's so many conversations that you and I have had over the last three years, looking to buy businesses, looking to buy um, real estate, if I would have only had those questions available, we would own a lot more businesses than we should do. No doubt, no doubt. It, I, you know what this conversation reminded me of, Russ? What? You ever watch The Wizard of Oz? I've seen it. I mean, how, how do they get to Oz? They follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Jeff literally lays out the yellow brick road to being able to find the needle in the haystack. If you've ever, I mean, this is literally, this is, this is how I've been thinking over the last several years. How do you find somebody who's willing to finance a property to you? It seems like a needle in the haystack, but whatever he, he tells you where he's fishing, the ponds that he's fishing, it's like there are largemouth bass just jumping in the boat with him. And you can find this out too. Like this is a skill that in my opinion is one of the top skills as an investor that you could you can create over the next 12 to 24 months it's because a skill it's, that can be, be amazing it's a skill that can be learned it doesn't yes. have to be already possessed i think that that's the key here is that one you can understand are the deals that you're looking at worth doing and he gives you criteria for that but also, as you listen to him, he gives you, as you said, Joey, the yellow brick road to how to make it happen. And he gives you a tool that can allow you to learn that skill. So if you have not already signed up to come to our event that's going to be happening here in Birmingham, January the 6th through the 8th, you can actually come and see Jeff, listen to Jeff, and get deeper on how to buy properties off market and potentially how to buy them without having to get a mortgage Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live. Joey, let's jump in right now with our good friend, Jeff Stevens. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome in Tribe. Uh, we've got a 
fan favorite here who's come back to bless us again with his knowledge, Jeff Stevens in the house. Jeff, so glad to have you, man. Always glad to be here. Appreciate the, the invite back. Totally. And I'm excited to have you here in Beham, man, to, to share with our audience. And for those of you who are um, thinking, um, hey, what's something I could do at the very beginning of the year to jumpstart my path to becoming financially free? If you're listening to this right away, you can go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash live. And there may be still a ticket for you to see Jeff and to hear this conversation live. So, Jeff. There's many different ways that we can buy real estate, but your unique gift is helping people find how to buy real estate without a sign in the yard, as well as how to buy it without a typical mortgage. And I want to get to that. But before all of that, I want to start off with why is it so important right now to be talking about buying properties in the market cycle in which we're in, where we see interest rates really high. We see now you know, prices of homes starting to come down. Why do you think this is such a great time to be buying? Yeah. Well, I think in order to sort of have the right context for where we are right now, we have to just sort of acknowledge like what, what we've just come through, which is many years of what a lot of buyers felt. It was like a very frustrated period of time, you know, like, gosh, sure. feels like it's been a seller's market. The sellers have old all the cards. There's no inventory listed. Um, even if you find an off-market seller, you know they have they have all the leverage. Is sort of the per, the perception that we've had, and I, I would I would even argue with that just a little bit that maybe if you had a better strategy at that time, you could have been you know more successful. But without a doubt, things have changed. I mean, almost like a light switch uh, flipped a few months ago, and all of a sudden it doesn't feel like a seller's market anymore. It's starting to feel more like maybe a balanced market. I mean, I think by like the juxtaposition is it feels very much like a buyer's market now, right? But what's been happening? Well, you know, interest rates have gone up a lot, right? Which means there's still a lot of people who want to buy properties, but now like their the affordability factor is much lower, right? If you could afford a $2,500 a month payment before that used to get you like a, you know, $500,000 house or whatever, and now it gets you a $350,000 house. And so that impacts things in a big way. And I think we have sellers who kind of feel like, oh boy, I missed the window of opportunity. So they're kind of freaking out a little bit too. <laughs> but we have this kind of weird situation now where we all see things are changing, but it, it's still a little uncertain as like how long this sort of it awkward <laughs> in-between period is going to last. But what this means is that there's a lot of people who would like to sell a property who they, they kind of assumed because of years of experience like this, it's like, oh, there'll be no problem, no problem. And now suddenly they're like, oh boy, it's not quite as easy as I thought, which from the buyer's perspective now creates more opportunity for conversations that might be a little more flexible, a little more amenable than they would have been even six months ago, but even, you know, three, four years ago. So, so for someone who is hearing this for maybe the first time and they say, the only way I've ever known to be able to buy properties is go to a bank, get, you know, share with them my life story, all my documents that I can't ever find. They're shoved under the file cabinet or whatever. Do people even have filing cabinets anymore? <laughs> anyway, but th they think that this is the only way to buy a property. Share with them, like, what are the ways in which you see the world as it relates to a different way to buy these properties? Yeah. So I, it's funny, I might say there's every property in the world falls into like one of two categories. It's listed for sale or it's not listed for sale, but they're all 
actually, you know, kind of available for a conversation, right? So the question becomes, how do we even like find or initiate a conversation with something that doesn't have a, a sign sticking out, out front and a realtor going, hey, please, uh, please talk to us about buying this property. And, and so on the other end of the spectrum, like there's this whole other niche of the real estate world that's like, oh, I drive around and I look for signs of dilapidation and distress and things like that. And those are like really obvious maybe signs that oh, maybe there's a, a, a motivation there that I could kind of harness and, and you know, a distressed motivated seller. But I think there's actually everything in between as well. Um, you have the listed properties, you have the obviously derelict ones, but there's a lot of stuff in between that those people who own those properties, if they were approached in a way that made them feel comfortable, would probably entertain the conversation about selling that piece of property. And so I think the, the art simply becomes, how do you uh, just choose who you're going to reach out to? How do you navigate that conversation? And how do you remain having your ears open to see ways that maybe you could simply make payments to them over time rather than going and asking a third party for a loan? And this idea of making payments to the seller over time, I mean, this is this is older than any of us on this call, right? I mean, our yeah. grandparents, that was a very common thing back then. And maybe now it's not quite as common, but it's still absolutely uh, possible if we know how to initiate the conversation. And that is actually part of the, the thing is that people kind of, uh, buyers oftentimes initiate the conversation in a way that doesn't really serve them as well as they think it will. And they end up kind of shooting themselves in the foot. No, I love that. So you're, you kind of opened the conversation for us. I want to let, let's spend, you know, the first half of this talking about finding that property without a sign in the yard. Cause it, you know, we know that there's lots of ways and I know there's some ways you've shared with us in the past that you detest. <laughs> so uh, there, there, there's the mailing method. There is a, a method of, you know, putting uh, the bandit signs around, right. To, to advertise, Hey, we're looking to buy your property. Uh, there's the texting people, you know, that you get those texts all the time. Hey, uh, Jeff, I see that you, uh, you own one, two, three main street. Are you interested in selling today? Kind of thing. <laughs> what is the method in which you find to be the most successful for you? Yeah. So I want to answer that question with just a tiny bit of context first, and maybe a disclaimer. Uh, I, I don't want to say there's any right way or wrong way to do things, but I, I do think that each of these different channels or strategies, whatever you might say, um, it, e it either fits the person, the buyer, or, or it doesn't. And I will say at the very beginning of my career, just say this very, very quickly, that I experimented with lots of different things. And sometimes those things made sense to my head and they kind of seemed to work, but it felt really awful to Jeff. It didn't feel like me. Other times I did things that felt really good to me, and but they didn't really work. And it took a while for me to kind of find what's the intersection of the head and the heart, a, a strategy that, that makes sense in both ways. And my belief is that every uh, real estate investor buyer needs to do kind of go through that process themselves. So I'll answer this question in the context of what, um, what works for me. I know that I want to have conversations where I'm sitting in a seller's living room uh, having a, a nice, friendly conversation where both parties sort of feel safe. And I want to, this, this word safe, I think is really important. If you were to run a, a bandit sign that said, you know, we buy houses as is the person who calls that be, the dynamic there already is like, okay, I'm, I'm raising my hand basically and saying, I'm sort of in a bind. 
the, the person answering the phone, the we buy houses person already knows that. And now the dynamic is sort of off to this weird situation where the, the playing field isn't level, right? One person is sort of saying like, I need help. I'm, I'm stuck. And the other person's like, well, maybe I could be your, you know, white knight riding in on a, on a white horse. I don't really like that dynamic. I, I like a dynamic when somebody comes across me, they think, oh, that, that would be a, an easy, safe conversation to have. There's no downside. I don't feel like I'm going to get pressured. I don't feel like I'm going to get swindled or anything like that. This feels like, and this is my favorite word that sort of equates to safe, is peer. I want that person to feel like I'm a peer of theirs. I'm a fellow member of the community. Uh, they're maybe a landlord. Most of the people I market to are, are absentee owners, not home uh, owner occupants. So like, oh, I'm a local landlord, mom and pop. Jeff's a local landlord, mom and pop. It makes the dynamic feel safe. And now they're open to that conversation. So tactically, sorry, <laughs> tactically, what I do is I send somebody a nice letter, basically, just a nice, friendly letter. It doesn't say any of the stuff you might expect in the letter. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, let me give you the list of stuff not in the letter. I buy as is, I want to buy cash or close fast. Uh, you know, make it easy. You don't have to move your stuff. Like what? N none of that. I just say, hi, my name is Jeff. I am also a fellow local landlord. Uh, my wife and I would love to buy another property that we could take care of ourselves. If you would ever entertain the con conversation about selling, you know, one, two, three, four main street, would you please give us a call? It'd be nice to have a cup of coffee and, and just have that conversation with you. Now's not the right time put this on a magnet on the fridge, call me when it is, you know, it's much a much softer approach, but that makes people feel safe. And it feels like they're talking to somebody on their level, which just makes them feel like, okay, there's no reason not to call this person back. Yeah. I love, uh, actually I've been through your deals workshop and seeing the letter that you write and, and you're right. It is exactly that. It is, it is the process that creates safety for both parties right? You don't feel like you're walking into a place where people have their dukes up and they're, you know, just really guarded about everything. They don't feel like you're coming into their space and they're in they're they're catching up to you in any way. Um, I love that. This is a brilliant strategy, especially since you are typically calling on existing landlords. So they also understand that they're used to having gotten cash flow from this property on a monthly basis. And so the likelihood of them being open to offering a seller financing or owner financing type of opportunity to you as the new buyer is much higher because they're, they, they already received cash flow and it would be nice to continue to receive cash flow without having to be the landlord anymore. That's what I think is so brilliant about you know, how you've identified that particular seller. Anything else you'd add to that as far as why that that seller is also a good fit for you? Well, so to speak, I would say, let's talk quickly about the type of seller who's willing to have that conversation, but then also the kind of seller who is a good fit for seller financing. It's okay if we hit both of those things separately? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So in the, first, in the first category there, the type of seller who's just a good fit for this type of conversation, you know, there is a, there's a, there's a concept in marketing copy that this guy, um, maybe Gary Halpert or Dan Kennedy, they call dog whistle copy. You, you write something in a certain way and only people whose ears are tuned to that frequency, like a dog whistle, like you and I can't hear a dog whistle, but my dog can hear a dog whistle. 
it's sort of like that. And in our letter, it's not just about the words, but it's about the whole vibe of the letter. The person to, to whom that sort of vibe resonates, they'll, they will absolutely lean in. Now, there are people who sort of have, um, you know, rationally, they're like, oh, I would never sell with a realtor. Why would I pay 6% to some person? I can do this myself. Or, um, you know, they, they have some of those sort of reasons why they wouldn't want to sell on the market anyway. But there are other people who just like, you know, hey, I'm a relationship-oriented person. I can see this Jeff guy who just sent me this. He's projecting he is too. This is my kind of dude to talk. This is my kind of conversation. And so we it sort of naturally selects the people who are already more open to having um, a relationship-oriented conversation. And that's the kind of person I want. I guess another way to put that is there's almost a psychographic element to like, I'm looking for demographics of prop property type and size and location and all that kind of stuff. But then there's this whole psychographic element to the seller. Cause that's the kind of person I want to go on this little journey with. Well, here's the, here's the beauty of that. And we use a tool within um, our investor DNA called DIS, right? The personality assessment. And we know that the world is made up in percentages of each one of those elements. And we have to, uh, when we're talking to people, we have to understand that not everybody thinks the way that we do. And so a lot of times we end up be a chameleon and trying to adapt to everyone else. But what you're saying is, no, I don't adapt. This is who I am. I'm thoughtful. I like one-on-one conversations. I'm empathetic to situations. I'm seeking people who have that same tendency, that same personality and they're going to notice that in my letter and we're going to get, we're going to sit down. And as what we all know is that we like people like us, right? We, yes. we love people who are just like us. And so when you're reaching out to those people and they're responding, they're responding and we're, you're going to sit down. You guys are going to naturally hit it off because you're naturally the same and you think the same. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. That is absolutely right. A lot of people, when they're real estate investors, they're like, what am I hunting for, right? And they create what is is often called a buy box um, these days. What are the criteria basically I'm looking for? And and I what I say is, I think it's awesome to have a buy box, absolutely. But I don't want my buy box to only say three bedroom, two bath, this, that. You know, I want my box, my buy box to also have a component that I call negotiation dynamic. Negotiation dynamic means like I'm only interested in in properties and conversations where the the negotiation is going to be of a certain type. Like I am not interested at all personally in uh, making uh, offers on listed properties. It's because that's not the negotiation dynamic I want. The, the negotiation of let me type up a, an offer. It's a PDF. Now it's going to an email where I'm going to get another PDF back. Like that's not the dynamic. That's not the setup. That's not the stage that I want to perform on. I want to perform in somebody's living room basically. And the reason is for me, and I think this is another important consideration for every real estate investor, kind of along the same lines of that head and the heart thing I mentioned. This is like strengths-based investing. Like I know that my best strength is having a conversation with somebody, asking them good questions, listening to what they're saying, inferring what they really mean, asking good follow-up questions, building rapport. And to me, it's like, why in the world would I want to employ a strategy that didn't harness my personal greatest strength. So I want negotiation dynamic to be a big part of my, my buy box. Cause I want to find those people you just described to us who are, they're going to lean in because they're going to want to do it the same way that I want to do it, which they can tell by just the tone of my approach. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. 
I realize that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. No, I love that. You said something there. I want to get a little bit granular, right? For the person riding down the road is like, okay, I've been thinking about maybe trying to find properties that are off market and having some of these conversations for the person who likes people, who wants to be in that room. I would, but they don't know what questions to ask. They don't know what you said. Well, they, they may ask me a question, but I'm going to help them get deeper to the question they really wanted to ask, what they were inferring to say. Could you give me some of those like top questions that you get back from those potential sellers? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The questions that they ask me back are the questions I would ask them. Well, a little bit of both, right? I I would be interested in what maybe some of those initial uh, questions are that gets the conversation going. But ultimately, you're like, here's going to be the rub. I know we're going to get to this point. This is where we're going to. But just on the front end of just talking about selling the property before we even get to that, what are some of those conversations that you're having? What are some of those questions that you're asking and they're asking you? Yeah. I want to, I want to focus on what I call um, the magic seller relations question. Cause I would, you know, Dale Carnegie created human relations and like every real estate investor needs to read how to win friends and influence people. And I'm like, this isn't just human relations. It's contextualized as seller. So I call this seller relations. So let me give you like the number one question I think is sort of like it's ground zero of all aspects of seller relations the magic seller relations question is, is basically this. Okay, uh, Marge, if I handed you right now a magic wand and we just wave that thing around the room and this whole experience of selling your duplex could just come together exactly as you would love to see it come together, what does that look like? Paint that picture for me. I want to be able to close my eyes and picture and understand exactly how you'd love for this to come together. When you ask somebody, you know, end scene, right? When you ask somebody, (laughs) you ask somebody that question, a couple things happen. First is like, they're kind of like, wow, I can't believe you would ask me that because they're sort of expecting you to be protecting your own interests. And here you are saying like, just tell me what utopia looks like. You're not promising you just give them anything they want, but you want to at least know what like their perfect outcome would be. So that says a lot about you and yourself anyway. But it, it just opens up this very expansive kind of conversation with them, right? Because they can start to say, you know, they might get very tactical. They might say, well, I want to, you know, I, I want to sell it for 450000 But they also might want to say, like, you know what? I, I can't call Caitlin, the tenant, and tell her that we're selling the property. It's going to break my heart. Or she might say, like, all I care about is my new, my new grandbaby who's a thousand miles away that I need to get there as soon as I can because I want to be part of her life. Uh, little Bobby, I, I screwed it up and I wasn't there when he was a baby and I want to be there the right time this time. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, now you're getting all these insights. And I think I always distinguish between 
information and insights. You know, information is like, oh, I owe $312,000 on the mortgage and this rental, you know, they've been in there for 9.6 months or whatever. But insights are like more about the qualitative, how do I feel? So I like to ask that question kind of as soon as, as is reasonably appropriate in the conversation because it changes the dynamic and makes people go, oh, wow, you're asking me to blue sky this. And it's like a million off ramps that come off of whatever they say. There's like a million follow-up things that just come like, oh my gosh, when was your daughter born? Like, how did it sounds like you and Caitlin have a really strong bond? Like, how long have you guys, have you known her before she moved in here? There's so many like little off ramps you can take, but based on that one conversation, that one. Well, and they, they're telling you, I mean, it's so brilliant because they're telling you what's important to them. And you, instead of you having this like assumption of, oh, they must only be concerned about price or they must only be concerned about getting their money today, like, all these things that we just build up in our own brain that are not even true, right? You get to the bottom of it with that question, which I love. Um, talk about somebody who's in that position, they're having this conversation and the conversation doesn't lead to owner financing at all, right? It's just obvious they need the money today, that they're very adamant, like they're not open to this sort of deal. Does that immediately then shut off the opportunity for you? like? somebody that's trying to get into this realm, what, what do they do at that position? Yeah. So I think a couple of things I, for some reason is when you were saying that I was picturing like you're driving down a road and you come to a sign that says road closed and you're like, wow, it looks like I'm going to have to take a different path. Uh, and maybe that path is not going to lead somewhere. I actually want to go. My, my first actual thought is, is that a real road closed sign? Or is it, is this, is this a mirage? Is this somebody like somebody just put this up to kind of dissuade, but a lot of times when people say no, you know, you've probably heard the expression, a confused mind always says no, right? Sometimes when yeah. people say no, it's because they're like, I, I truly understand this. I've considered it and it doesn't work for me. But a lot of times it's just like, oh, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, scary. Um, I don't understand it. I don't want to lose face by saying, sorry, I don't understand it, you know? And, and, and then sort of, it's like a no, but it's not a real, it's not a real no. So I think the first thing is we have to kind of respect that thing that that road closed sign that they put up but also not respect it so much that we just assume that road is actually closed right so i think part of the art is in having you know the ability to kind of uh, poke at that and just be like oh you know tell me more about this and uh, ascertain why that that doesn't you know really make sense for them but other times the road is actually closed and we just have to go somewhere else and the question becomes is there something else great in this deal that could make it worthwhile? Um, and I think there's, there's lots of different things that can make a deal worthwhile. There's lots of different things that can be awesome. Uh, I have this, I just call this finding the awesome. Every deal to me, it better have at least one thing that's awesome about it or else we probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, we're kind of settling for, for just getting a deal done because we want to get a deal done. But there's lots of different things that could be awesome. And the seller financing is one of those for lots of reasons, but it's not the only reason. There could be other awesomes out there too. All right. So the, now we, we've migrated into the second part, which is really, really interesting, right? I think we've found in potentially other podcasts where people talked about ways to buy properties that didn't have a sign in the yard, right? And but now we're getting into that area where most people are uncomfortable because it is completely foreign. As you said, it's not foreign to us as a, as a world. It's something that's been around forever. 
But most of us are just used to transacting business where I give you a check, you give me X. I give you a credit card, you give me Y, right? I go to the bank, they give me money, you give me Z. But this is where we get into a conversation where we're going to buy the property, but yet we're not going to go to the bank. They're potentially going to be the bank themselves to us. You're listening to Marge tell you all the things that she wants to have happen, right? She's got the magic wand. I'm sure there's a few times that they say the magic scenario would be that I I, I get this, but I don't have to pay tax on all of it because I've owned it for 50 years and I'm going to have a huge capital gains tax bill and that's just not something I'm interested in, right? And that's a, that's a great, easy layup. But let's talk about when Marge just goes through everything and she doesn't mention any about how she's going to get paid, right? She may talk about the ideal like amount or whatever, but she doesn't go into payment. How do you broach that subject? What are those one or two questions that you ask when you have to initiate because they didn't open the door for you initially? Yeah. So I, w- I want to answer this question by saying that I would say the number one mistake most buyers make in their, uh, their attempt to get seller financing is they bring up seller financing too early. Um, and, and when they bring it up too early, it's sort of like you might as well be wearing a sign on your forehead that said, this is what I wanted all along. This is totally premeditated and I'm going to suggest it whether it works for you or not. You know, And that does not go well. That does not tend to go well. And so what we have to do is we have to like, we have to hold back and wait and wait and take some discipline and wait and wait. And I, it, the thing is this, the sellers will almost always, if, if seller financing is indeed like a, a reasonable path for them, a reasonable medicine for their situation. If we keep our own mouths quiet long enough, ask them kind of enough like follow-up questions, keep them talking, they will almost always say the things that we need them to say to, to um, practically indirectly bring it up themselves, right? And so let me give you, there's like a couple, three clues that we always want to be listening for. One is you just alluded to, right? Uh, this person is um, aware of the nasty capital gains bill coming their way. They're not excited about that. And maybe they also have, have indicated they don't really want to go do a 1031 exchange, right? They may or may not even know about that. But if they're like, sometimes they'll just, they'll bring up the capital gains problem. People will literally say, I called you back from the letter. I'd love to sell this property, but the taxes will kill me. I'm sure as heck not just exchanging this property for another responsibility. Right. So we're listening for that. We have to have our ears tuned for these things. Another thing is that they might say, you know, if I get just a big lump sum of money here, like, frankly, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. And that sounds like a big project, sounds a little bit stressful. I'm fine financially. I don't even know what I would do with it. People will say that. I believe it or not, people will. Not everybody, you know, has a clear plan or has, you know, a million dollars in debt that they need to pay down by selling the rental. Some people are just like, I don't know what the heck I would do with that money. And then the third of the major things I would say is people will say, I bought this rental property because it produces income. I need income. And if I sell it, there goes the income, which kind of ties to the second point I made too, right? They might say like, I'd have to take this money and go find another way to generate income out of it. I'm not really, oh, that sounds stressful. You know, things are volatile. I no, no thanks. Now, if we can get, keep them talking and they say any of those three things, they have basically just practically invited us, not knowingly, but invited us to make a proposal back to them that says, you know, Marge, I was thinking about what you said earlier about how 
important this income is in your life. And so I was asking myself, like, how could we buy this property from you in a way that gives you that continued income without giving you a big stressful project to go figure out how to reinvest it? Here's what I've come up with, blah, 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 seller financing, right? Um, so I think the que- what we're really trying to do is I always think of this as a door. If we just continually through our conversation open doors for people, sometimes they'll just walk right through, right? So maybe you might say, you might even say, Marge, <clears throat> I'm just, you know, putting myself in your shoes here. You have had this property for a long time. It's produced great income for you. I, I imagine that income is probably important in your life. What do you think you'll do next? That's like opening the door and she's probably going to walk right through it and just go like, I don't know. That is a problem for me. Right? So now the, the summary of this is like, if we're just, it's sort of like keep our mouths shut, but we're not fully keeping our mouths shut because we're asking nice, thoughtful follow-up questions. But if we just keep our mouths shut and wait, 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 wait long enough, then it's like, Oh, there it is. She said the one or two things I need. So now my seller financing proposal back to her is totally responsive to her needs. It doesn't look at all like, well, here's this thing Jeff wants to do. It's like, no, here, you told me your situation. This is how I think we can do it. What do you think? I love that. Yeah, that approach is um, it's just brilliant. It, and again, you started with the right seller to begin with, and then you just uncover from there what are their hot points. Um, but you, you did say that at that point, if they're not interested or it's not a fit, you will typically move on from that. Uh, but if, in some cases, if there's enough awesome, you may do a private loan somewhere else or some, like what would be your a- additional exit strategy if you really want the property, but they aren't open to seller financing? Yeah. So I, I like to talk about, like, is, is this a deal worth doing? I think that's an important question to ask. Like, it's not hard to go find a deal, but is it a deal worth doing? And back to my find the awesome thing, There could be lots of reasons, lots of awesomes that could make this a deal worth doing. So if that road truly is closed, then we ask ourselves, is there another awesome here? If the answer is yes, then I'm happy to continue to, to proceed forward, right? Because to your point, maybe this makes perfect sense still. You know, there's just some other major element. Like I'll just give you an example, a, a perfect, simple example. Uh, a few years ago, I bought a property from a woman who I thought was a good candidate for seller financing. We had the conversation, road closed, try to go around, road actually closed. So it's like, ah, bummer. But I'm thinking, you know, that's a reasonable price. But what here's the awesome is that the, the, the footprint of this house, it's like this old kind of Victorian uh, Queen Anne, it sits up off the street, huge basement, great ceiling heights, massive attic. And I'm looking at this going, I can buy this as a two bedroom, one bath house, but I can completely transform this. I can build an accessory dwelling unit in the basement. I can, we can finish out the, the um, attic space. And so now, like, so I bought that place and I did get an expensive hard money loan, but that's okay because the awesome wasn't the terms. The awesome was the expandability. So now it's a, a four bedroom, two bath house on top of the two bedroom, one bath ADU below. And it's, it's awesome. I really love the property, but the big win came from, I was hoping it could come from seller financing, but actually came in a totally different way, right? In that case, if I had negotiated seller financing, there would have been two awesomes, which is, you know, two is better than one, but I'm happy with one. Jeff, man, this is so good. And I would let you go on forever. But the thing is, we'd be giving away too much that we're going to be giving away for all of those people who are going to be coming to see you live when we're here in Birmingham. It, 
you're listening to Jeff, you're hearing many different things. Just a few takeaways. One, is the deal worth doing? What a great question that you have to ask yourself. And that's something that I think we should ask ourselves. And regardless of what we're doing, is the deal worth doing? Because too oftentimes we end up chasing after things that are not really worth our time, but we think we're supposed to. And you follow Jeff's advice when you try to figure out what's the awesome in whatever the deal is. And again, I think that this uh, interview, Jeff, was so amazing for me just to take a few little of those nuggets of not only how can we buy properties that doesn't have a sign in front, but also how can we do it without a mortgage? If somebody wanted to be able to take advantage of your, your knowledge and to be able to pick your brain, is there somewhere you would send them where they could get more access to you in the event they're not able to come live to our event? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I host a, a interactive training program that teaches like this process in detail of off market, um, you know, basically finding, negotiating, closing off market deals with seller financing in a very relationship oriented manner. I mean, that's the relationship oriented manner is sort of like the defining, uh, you know, attribute of all this. So yeah, if somebody wanted to go to thedealsworkshop.com, you could find out about that and, and sort of see if that kind of thing is a fit. Um, but I have a podcast where we talk about this stuff too, racking up rentals. And so just look up the thoughtful real estate entrepreneur and you'll see kind of, we, we do have a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, different levels of, of how we can, how we can help people and how like hands-on it is. So yeah, lots of good resources there. I can't stop. Basically you just can't shut me up about this topic. <laughs> so we, we've got a lot of stuff. Well, you, you are an expert in it and I, I see you on uh, bigger pockets and other, other areas as, as kind of the go-to person that's providing this next level kind of um, thought process. And yeah, Tribe, if you have not um, taken the time to invest in yourself in this way, this is a skill set that will serve you well in the market that we're in now and going forward, period. It, if you want to grow a rental portfolio and you don't want to be competing with everybody else who's buying on market deals and everybody else who's doing the bandit sign game or charade, this is, this is a skill that you need to invest in. Go to thedealsworkshop.com and check it out. Jeff, as always, you bring amazing value and we appreciate you. Um, Tribe, thank you for being on. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.